You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 14 with Scott Ziolko. Hi friends, it's supplemental time. That most magical time of year when a young man's fancy turns to talking about Star Trek. I don't, neither of us are young men, Matt. No, but I'm relatively fancy. Well, so what does your fancy turn to then? I just told you, thoughts of Star Trek. No, well, but your fancy was already there. How could it turn further to a direction that it's already facing? Well, it's always sort of fancying Star Trek. And then, you know, this time of year when supplemental season rolls around, Hmm. then it turns even more towards that fancy and away from other fancies. I don't think we've ever discussed your fancy in this extended a conversation. I don't think anyone's ever said fancy this much. No, that's true. We are, and that includes, you know, seventies porn actor R.J. Fancy, and the uh, the makers of Fancy Feast cat food. Yes, of course. Let's not forget them. Which who are actual cats? Cats who are actual cacks? Cacks. (laughs) Matt, be careful! You'll have a heart attack. God damn it! cat got into my chest <laughs> so we are wrapping up next gen as as anyone following the show will know um that's it we are now currently uh as you hear this we have done uh the, the movie generations um we've timed this a little strangely just because we have a convention appearance coming up and we need to yeah. uh, kill a little time but we were going to do the show anyway so uh, it was coming and you all knew it was coming and you did nothing to prevent it yes so this one's on your heads people it was a plot it was a ploy to start a war course um so i kind of wanted to talk about our our final thoughts on next gen sort of wrap things up uh we still got a couple of movies left but for my money and and believe me you are more than welcome to correct me if you think that this is an incorrect assessment of the movies i don't think they're not on the same ship they don't act like the same people the movies are barely even connected to the show they're certainly not they're certainly not in the same spirit of tng right you know, when, when we when we talk about what Next Gen was all about, the movies really don't add anything to that. I don't think. No, they're just sort of like, and then we uh, had some cast reunions, and here's these guys again. Yeah, I mean, you could happily end the series with uh, with all uh, good things, all good things, and in fact, they probably should have. Yeah, and the thing is, we will. Uh, well, we already will have by the time you heard this. We haven't recorded it yet, so it's a little little out of continuity for us. Mm-hmm. But we will have already had the debate over whether Generations is a good movie, and then, of course, there's First Contact. But I think everyone agrees that the second two just uh, don't even bother. No. Now, I could be wrong. I haven't seen either of them in a very long time, and uh, maybe watching them again, maybe I'll... I mean, that's certainly, you know, we've had that happen many times over TNG. That is that is definitely true. We've had quite a few things surprise the hell out of us, mm-hmm. and quite a few other things uh, not. But, um... I really doubt Insurrection is going to turn me around. Probably not. And uh, and then the other one. Nemesis is Nemesis is just bad. I, I don't know. I remember it being better than Insurrection because I remember thinking, well, at least it's not Insurrection. <sighs> but I don't remember. It's been so long, Matt, and I yeah. watched so many other things. I remember I remember uh, uh, Nemesis wanting to be Wrath of Khan again. Uh, but First Contact also wanted to be Wrath of Khan. Yep. And then Into Darkness also wanted to be Wrath of Khan, and it got the closest yet. <laughs> Into Darkness wanted to be Wrath of Khan so badly that it put on Wrath of Khan as a suit. Right. 
He's making a con suit, sir. <laughs> He's making a concerted effort to make a con suit. Ugh, terrible. Don't care. Here's here's the thing, and we said this about the original series, and I'm going to say this about Next Gen as well. The dirty little secret about Star Trek, until you get to Deep Space Nine anyway, is that maybe half the episodes are worth watching. Those half are great, but the other half is garbage. There's a really high ratio of not great episodes. Mm. Will you agree with me there? I would think so, yeah. I, the nice thing is they're spread out. They are. I mean, in season seven, they kind of clump together here and there. But for the most part, yeah, you're right. I, I found season seven to be not as terrible as I expected it. I was really expecting it to be. Well, that's because I wouldn't shut up about how bad it was. That is true. And I was wrong. But it was a lot of up and down. And the downs were way further down than they should have been for fucking season seven of a show that should know better. A show that should know better and has, you know, done some really good work. Yeah. I mean, it's, but what I'm saying is it's strange, much in the way the original series would do this. It's strange to think that a show responsible for an episode like, say, Chain of Command would also be responsible for an episode like, uh, Emergence. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's so completely different. Mm -hmm. And not like this show does a lot of variety different. Just like, what, what the, how is this even possible? Well, you know. Yeah, I know. I know the guy. I said I say that, and I'm like, "What? What is your follow up to that, Matt?" Well, you know. No, I figured you were going to say, you know, Brandon Braga. I mean, he's certainly a huge problem. Except again, we could look at episodes like All Good Things or Parallels. Yep. And then look at episodes like Emergence or Genesis, just like profoundly stupid episodes that somehow, yeah, from the same guy doing the same stuff, but. Uh, well, I mean, with TNG, we've got as we get to, as we got you know towards the middle and the end of the series, we had two, we had these two guys who sort of took over as the sort of the guiding, yeah, the guiding voice in, in TNG. We had one guy who did mostly really good stuff with a little bit of shit, mm -hmm. and we had one guy who did mostly shit with a little bit of good stuff. And they were writing partners because they would co-write at least two of the movies, mm -hmm. the two that we think are are the least bad. Yes. So, you know, there's something. Well, the thing is, you, you got, ultimately, it comes down to, I guess, what you want out of Star Trek. And mm -hmm. Ron Moore tends to write stuff that isn't particularly science fiction-y. It just, it's sort of human drama that takes place in a sci-fi universe. Right. And that's what I liked about Deep Space Nine when it got really good, is all that war stuff. Yeah, we're in space, there's spacemen shooting lasers at each other, but it was about the guys. Yes. It wasn't I about, mean, here's a wacky new thing that happened this week. Yeah, and I mean, that's always been sort of our, our go-to on this show from original series onward. You yeah. know, characters first, and then... But that said, this is a science fiction show, and you can do some cool science fiction stuff. It's just surprising to me how rarely Star Trek in any form does. Mm. I mean, can you name, you know, more than two or three really good, like, high-concept, here's a cool, fucked-up sci-fi idea that we're presenting... Just because it's a cool thing? Well, not off the top of my head. Well, but I mean, in you know, in just in general. I mean, none of your favorites, none of your immediate like go. -to. Well, no, most of the most of my favorites are uh, sort of the character. The, stuff. Yeah, the character stuff. I mean, you got like the Doomsday Machine, which is your favorite uh, original series. Of yeah, well, I mean, that's got a really cool big sci-fi concept to it. It does, but we never get, and I like this about it, but we never get an explanation as to what it is, who put it there, where it came from, what it's for. Yeah, totally. It's just a thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's matter. great. It drives the plot, and that's that. 
Where did it come from? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. More importantly, who the fuck cares? I mean, it could be an interesting story. Mm -hmm. But the real interesting thing is the characters, so let's get on with it. Yeah. And that's what that episode does. So even then, you got a big, cool sci-fi concept that's sort of incidental to the to the actual, you know, meat of the episode. Mm -hmm. And Next Gen did that as well. And every time they tried to say, here's a new wacky thing that happened, I think they kind of went off the rails. Whereas, I mean, you look at all your, your favorite episodes. You look at all the, the ones that really jump out at you. They're inevitably bottle shows or two guys in a room. Yep. Or, you know what I mean? Like, really small episodes that have some impact as far as characters go. Now, would you say uh, Best of Both Worlds is a big sci-fi concept? Mm, yes, but I would also say that Q-Who really sort of explored... Oh, yeah, no, listen, Q-Who did it better. No, 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 I'm just saying, as far as, here's a weird new thing, let's look at it. Right. That's what that episode was about. Best of Both Worlds was more like uh, the Doomsday Machine, where it was like, okay, you know what it is or you don't care. Yeah. It's coming for you. That's all you need to know. Why are you still looking at it? Right. Hit it with, hit it with this axe. <laughs> right. What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, God. They stole Captain Picard. Yeah. But see, that's what that was about. That was a big Riker story. It was, yeah. It was, and, you know... Like that's what I'm saying is all our all the the very best episodes have to do with with the characters, mm. and looking back, you know, I'm going to put a list together. I'm sure, and I'm sure you probably will as well. Oh, probably. Just because that's what you do. I'll be a lister. Yeah, gotta gotta be a lister. <laughs> um, and most of my episodes are going to be character driven, if not all of them, and mm. and of those, they're probably all going to be Picard episodes. <laughs> Ye yeah. Because I feel like, and we said this before, I feel like we spent seven years getting inside the head of one guy really, really well, and everyone else was just kind of there. Well, we talked about, this was a while ago, this is on one of the other supplementals, we talked about how the show's really sort of, um, it's sort of divided up into the Picard show mm -hmm. and, an and an ensemble show. But it, do you ever feel like it really did the ensemble well? I think it did. I just think that when it did the ensemble stuff, it was, you know, without Picard. He was off doing his own. Th he was off looking at a rock or whatever the hell he gets up to him. We're not watching him. Oh, but that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't feel like like we had certain pairings of characters. We had Data and Jordy and we had yep. uh, Troy and Riker and later Troy and Worf. Mm -hmm. But I never really felt like this whole group, apart from in the in the poker games, really had anything to do with each other, really cared about each other really you know like they just they felt like separate characters to me you understand what mm. i mean yeah no i do they tried to push this idea that they were a family on me but i don't i didn't buy it most of the time yeah the family that doesn't really talk to each other yeah they're like my family i haven't seen my parents in years because you know i moved to the other side of the country <laughs> <laughs> so long suckers that's that's the kind of family that these guys are uh-huh I, I mean and i don't know how you could have fixed that necessarily but Really, when it comes to the character-driven stuff, we had stuff like uh, fucking Aquiel or uh, what was the other one with Jordy with his Jordy's um, mom. mom show. Was it the interface? Is that what that was? was that, that might have been the interface. I don't know. But I'm, I'm just TNG saying. has such bland titles. Yeah, and they went Seinfeld for a while there. It was the something. Yeah, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Like I could name most of the old series episodes. Mm -hmm. I could not tell you. I could probably rattle you off a list of TNG names, but if you gave me a title, I could probably not. I probably wouldn't be able to tell you the episode. Yeah, and now that we're wrapping up next gen, we're going to have to finish up our uh, our episode guide. Yeah, that should. <laughs> we're going to have to that go should back. result in a lot of weight. Which one was this? 
and that's that is why that is why I so meticulously save every do- document of notes that we make. Right. The fuck was I the beholder about? <laughs> this eye of the beholder. Oh Christ. Eye of the Beholder. I wonder what DS9's Eye of the Beholder is going to be about. I, that's out? an excellent question. But uh, going back to, okay. It'll probably be something cool. Probably. Going back to, like, Jordy. Yeah. Just as an example. Just as a character we I know we both like. When did we ever get inside his head to the extent that we felt like we got to know him better and, and were more interested? Like, those were the last two. The The interface one was season seven and mm. uh, Aquiel was season six. I think the last time we really spent a whole lot of time with Jordy were the two uh, Leah Brahms episodes. Right, and that was like seasons three and four. Yeah, exactly. Four and five, something like that, somewhere in the middle. Um, Maybe a little bit in Relics. A little bit. That was a bit of a Jordy episode. That was. But I mean, actually, no. I I tell a lie. That was a that was a that was a pretty serious Jordy episode. That was. That was equally equal parts Jordy and Scotty. I would say. Mm-hmm. But that was probably the last time for us. Yeah. Which was. And that's going back to season five. Was it was five or six? I don't remember, but. Um, even still, yeah. It's it, but for the last year and a half or so, mm-hmm. we've got nothing for that guy apart from being Data's friend. Yes, Data's friend. We don't really know much about Jordy him. Jordy is my friend. What we do know, I think he, I'll kill him. Yeah, so I can feel again. I think everyone will kill him so they can become an Get officer. That promotion. Yeah, but you got that. You got stories about Beverly, which the less said, the better. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Even Riker, like the last couple of Riker stories, to me felt like. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I take that back. I take that back. The, um, we had the Pegasus, the last... which was good. Yep, we had, uh, what's and it called? Second Chances, which was also called. Tommy. Good. Yeah. There's Tommy. She's been looking for him all this time. Yep. She found he, was him. O- he was over there. Right. But, I mean, even Troy, it took her six and a half years to, to you know, to create, like, to, to give us something to latch on to just a little bit. I would argue that this, these last two years is when she's really – not even just that she's really shined because that's obvious. But yes. like she's gotten some really good solo stories. That's true. But it took um, them a really long time to figure her out. Yep. I, just for the most part, the ensemble feels like sort of an afterthought. Whereas every time we get a new story about Picard, it's something fascinating that we're really into and we yep. really care about. And I can rarely think of an episode that focused on Picard. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is the one – the last one we happened to do, which was his long-lost son that ended up not being his son. That was not a great Picard episode. No, but so many others. Like I say, when I when I make my top ten, probably eight of them are going to be Picard episodes, right? Because he's and the rest will be because Quark appeared in them. <laughs> oh, you figured out the trick. <laughs> he's always visiting the Enterprise. He's got a lot of friends there. <laughs> they owe him a lot of money. D- well, yeah. I just I think. So many episodes, just for whatever reason, just were not that great or did not do the characters justice. And, and that's really too bad. It really just ended up being a show about one guy. Mm. And that's that's my sort of final thought on Next Gen. What do you think? I walk away from Next Gen. I feel pretty positive about the series as a whole, you know? Well, that's the thing. I would say only about half of them are good. That half was excellent. Yeah, exactly. Like, the the half that's good. Yeah. Um. Really excellent TV. But so many genre shows of, of back then are like that. We said this about the original series. I would I would say it about, say, X-Files. Mm. I would say it about a lot of, like, 90s, the best of 90s sort of sci-fi slash fantasy slash horror shows. Oh, sure. And we're spoiled now. There's so much stuff on now that I would not watch a show that was only 50% good. Mm. Like, if Next Gen was on now, it better be 
all good episodes or mostly good episodes. Can you imagine if a show like Breaking Bad that we're both really into right now, half of them would be like, oh, well, here's an episode about Walt Jr. Time well, to go do something else. Here's an interesting thing. Um, Breaking Bad only gets, you know, tops, like, what, 12 episodes a season? Oh, that's true. 13, yeah. Um, And I mean, even less with, like, the way uh, th- this last season was split up. Okay, but then let's say Battlestar Galactica. Uh, that's true. Which I was really into for the first two seasons, like, a lot. Mm. And then it kind of lost me for a while, and then it got me back, and then it lost me again. But I'm saying, like, modern TV, you kind of hold to a different standard. That is true. If Battlestar Galactica had been as hit or miss as Next Gen was, I wouldn't have watched it. Maybe you would have. I don't know. But I- Oh, I mean, it dep- a lot of it also has to do with the uh, the uh, the serialized uh, nature of it. You know, like... If a show is bad, I might still come back to it at least for a while just because the story is still going and I'm right. interested in the story. Yeah, that's true. Like I'd be more likely to bail on TNG if it had a run of bad episodes than Battlestar just because, you know, I know that if I drop out of TNG, I can always come back in a couple of episodes and I won't really have missed anything. Yeah, that's a fair point. But I mean, like I say, the first two seasons for sure of, of Battlestar off the top of my head were fantastic TV and I watched it. You know, no, unfailingly. And oh, was, absolutely. We're talking 20-some episodes of, of TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would, like, I don't have the patience anymore. I, there's too much stuff to watch. There's just too many things to see yeah. for me to suffer through episodes like, like Masks or like Beverly Fucks a Ghost. Ugh. You know what I mean? Like, t- TV's, TV's improved. See, I, it's hard looking back for me sometimes. Mm. See, I, see, I'm different in that I only watch one TV show at a time now. Ah. Which I don't know sort of what that means, but, you know, like I, I'm only watching Breaking Bad right now. Right. I, I suppose I'm the same way, except I usually will just glut on something like one weekend. I'll just watch – like I have the whole previous season of Mad Men right. on, my, uh, on my Apple TV, and I'll just one weekend just watch all of it, mm-hmm. and that'll be that. You know what it is? It's I watch two shows at a time. I watch one serious drama and a cartoon. Well, that's fair. Yeah, because you can't all. It can't always be Breaking Bad. Uh, I wish it could, but yeah, you're right. It can't. It, it can't always be. <laughs> just turn off to. Oh my god! I need to go see what Ninja Turtles are doing. <laughs> I just finished the uh, the final season of uh, Futurama last oh night. Oh my god! Splinter selling meth. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. They'll never catch him. Nope. For years and years, they'll just never even catch him. And then Shredder will realize it was him while he's sitting on the toilet. (laughs) So one other quick thing I wanted to mention, and we'll talk about this more as we get into the movies uh, Mm -hmm. coming up on the show. I feel like for the original series, the movies really solidified the characters, particularly Wrath of Khan. Oh, absolutely. Wrath of Khan is is where they figured out Kirk. He's a big cheater. That was the big thing that sort of brought all the disparate elements together. Whereas I feel like next gen sort of the movies go the opposite way and lose the thread. Well, the thing is, like, it, the TNG movies always felt like they were trying to force the crew into a very specific mold. Yeah, like they're a lot more action action movie. You and know? the thing is, we've seen Picard be action movie. We saw Die Hard on a ship. Which oh was yeah, totally not out of character at all and great. Yeah, but the th- but they get it wrong, which is so weird, especially considering you know they got. Uh, more in Brago writing the first two, right? Like I'm wondering how much of those of those movies had to be like like had stu- like the studio interference on them. 
Yeah, that might be a thing. Because, you know, yeah. it would certainly explain why the Borg fucking came back again. The Borg, well, we'll talk about this when we get to that movie. Yeah. And actually, we have a piece of mail to that. To that All right. Uh, in fact, let's let's go ahead and get into the mail. We'll, we'll go to that one first, just for all, the right. all of it. Uh, Deke Winsome writes, look, I know what's coming. You foreshadowed it for months with subtle jabs, keenly placed here and there. Uh, he's talking about first contact. Mm. Uh, I know it contradicts. Uh, he's going over point by point. He says, uh, let me just say, as a movie, it works. Even my wife, who is anti-Trek, enjoyed First Contact. She enjoyed the humor, the action, Jean-Luc, the cheesy one-liners, the allegorical ties to Moby Dick, the new, more awesomer Enterprise, everything. Frankly, I did, too. Don't make me say it. All right, fine. First Contact is a better movie than Treks 1, 3, and even 4. No, you're wrong about that. And all other TNG films. No, you're wrong about that, too. Uh, it is the only one that felt like a movie and not a terribly padded season one episode. Nope, wrong about that, dude. <laughs> um, there, I said it. Your legions of post-stomach horror hitmen will likely destroy my home and leave me to die in a Siberian prison for saying it, but I said it. And yes, this is me mooning you over the internet. Please be merciful by, and don't hit me too hard, love, Deke. If by legions you mean Amanda with a baseball bat, then yes. Well, Amanda is on Team Me, which is uh, Generations is better than First Conduct, but they all kind of suck. Oh, really? Yeah. I think Generations is better than First Contact? Yes, I do. Ugh. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Did you Have you watched it yet for the show? No, not yet. Okay. That's not, tomorrow. It's not as bad as you remember. <sighs> or maybe it is. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I liked it. But the, the listeners will have already heard me defending that at this point. Uh, and then Deke says, I forgot to mention this. Obviously, First Contact is a better film than Star Trek V because cutting your own legs off with a rusty hacksaw to escape a Romulan prison would be better than Star Trek V. That's true. We'll get, we'll I don't know get, if I've talked about this on the show or not, but I tried to watch the TN, the the Star Trek Five riff tracks. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even get through that. Oh, it's not that bad. I mean, it's okay. It's terrible. It is the worst movie. I'm not going to defend it by any means, but I can watch it. Ugh, I'm not. I'm done now. I've watched it two yeah. times. I will never see Star Trek Five again. Yeah, I have it because I bought a box set that it came with. Yep. But yeah, I'm I'm probably not going to watch it again either. I'm not. I'm not going to spring for the Blu-ray on that one. Probably. The nice thing is, I remember we talked about this when we were doing t uh, Star Trek Five, and you were like, "Every few years, I look at it and I think to myself, it can't be as bad as I think it is." Oh right, I do remember that. Well, now we have an audio recording you can listen to instead, where you tell yourself from the past, "No, it is." And no, I, I even better. We have the episode guide slash app. Yep. So I don't have to go dig up the recording. I just pull out my phone, say, "What did I think?" Oh, oh, okay then. <laughs> I was really mad. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't care for that one that much. Nope. Uh, here's one from John Wiggins, uh, right. referring to the episode Masks. He said, I just wanted to say I thought the ship wasn't a library, but I thought of it as a prison not to be open, just saying. So uh, to, to refresh your memory about Masks, the Enterprise encounters some kind of weird, uh, like a comet, wasn't it? There was something hidden. I think it was a comet, comet yeah. In space that ends up taking over the ship. And he's saying it wasn't just like a like an archive but it was like a prison, and and all the stupid things that took over data were actually prisoners. I guess I could I could see that, you know. I could. If anyone was ever going to write the uh, like uh, a book sequel to the to to masks, here's my thing. I and never mind never mind if it's canon or not. But they mm -hmm. they didn't say it in the episode, which if if you want to get that point across, you might say it. Mm -hmm. Is all I'm hurt. saying. I don't, again, I don't care if it's canon or not, but like, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not gonna say, but if it wasn't on the screen, then it's not real. Yeah, I don't give a shit. I'll make up tons of crap about Star Trek. 
Right, but if thematically they wanted to deal with it being a prison, you, you might have at some point said it's a prison. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Also, you know, it still doesn't make it a good episode. No, no, it doesn't. It's still, it's still really shitty. Yeah, that was that was not a fun time for us. No. Uh, this one comes from Flonk, and he says, Flonk to post-atomic horror, so I figured it out. Data keeps accidentally killing Spot and getting a new one. Well, we we came up with that part. Yeah, he, no, that again, that's canon. He says, these are the canon facts as presented by the show. My theory is that he keeps cloning spots so he has the same cat, except the DNA sequence isn't complete, so he fills the gaps using frog DNA. And that's why spots spontaneously change sex. There are 12 male cats on the Enterprise, but no female cats. So spots lizard DNA fixed that, and that's how he de-evolved into a lizard. Flonk out. P.S. That whole episode was just a ripoff of the Super Mario Brothers movie anyways. That would also explain uh, that scene where Barkley spends 20 minutes stuttering over uh, Nature Finds a Way. <laughs> See, I, I would agree with this, except that frogs are not lizards. They are, in fact, amphibians. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, Vlonk. And occasionally Muppets. You don't get an O-Prize. Just the one. Well, and, and the little one, I suppose. Yes. Just a couple. And the other ones that worked at the uh, advertising agency. All right. Gil, Bill, Phil, and Jill. Lil. Something like or that. Jill. You're right. Mm. Go ahead. <laughs> no. I know you want to. I don't now. I've ruined it. Excellent. I've gotten really good at that. For people who don't want to stink. There we go. Um, Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, you know, Flunk's a regular guest. If he wants yep. to add that, it doesn't contradict our theories. Yeah, nope. that's yeah. that's fact. Yep. Uh, let's see. And he writes, uh, Flunk to Postomic Horror. I'd fact. like to believe that all of the spots died exactly the same way the Venture Brothers did. <laughs> like in all, like jumping off the roof. Wearing a Batman costume, yes. Right. Getting sucked into a uh, into a fighter jet. Right. Gas leak. Silent killer. Right. Also, there's one, also there's a shot where uh, both Data and Picard have mustaches. <laughs> Remember, we had those ridiculous mustaches. Oh God! And Picard has hair plugs. Yep. Uh All right. Moving on. It's a walking eye, Data. <laughs> I'm Captain Picard. Another one from Flonk. He says, "Fun fact." Brandon Braga has written more episodes of Star Trek than any other writer. 106 episodes to be exact. So look forward to that. Flonk out. Oh, fuck you, Flonk. That's true because uh, he, he was either showrunner or head writer or something on Voyager and then he the same on Enterprise. Voyager. Yeah. But then the same on Enterprise. For... Was he also the, the main guy on Enterprise? Yeah. For the first three seasons and then they oh, got a new sh- showrunner. Shit, really? There's, I did not know that. There's that final fourth season that everyone says got so much better. I saw samples of it. I don't think it's good. It might be comparatively good. Maybe I just saw bad episodes. I don't know. But they changed showrunners and the whole direction of the show supposedly turned into something else. Huh. All right. So somebody realized 10 minutes before the door closed. Oh, shit, well, we we got to get, get rid of Brandon Braga. Yeah, Jesus gotta, Christ. But, it, you know, but it was too late. They'd already been canceled. Guys, I've got a great idea where uh, the main characters uh, all get turned into uh, frogs. Does he? Is he David X. Cohen? Uh, yeah, sure, why not? All right, that's fair. That is what David X. Cohen's... Well, I got a really good David X. Cohen impression. He's a pretty good one there. Yeah. Um... I always felt bad for that guy. I I saw him in a uh, Simpsons commentary once, and everyone just kept calling him a nerd. Yeah, but then he goes over and does the Futurama commentaries, and he's right at home. Yes. So he's okay. Uh, this one comes from Brutan Andy, and he says, hello, boys. Hi. That's us. We're the boys. Which recurring character from TNG was your favorite, and why did you pick Luxana Troy? <laughs> Respectfully submitted, Brutanet. Shows what you know, I did not. 
She would be... I mean, if I had to pick one, she wouldn't be it, but she'd be in, like, the top three. Yeah, I could see that. But, uh, sorry, Chief O'Brien's gonna be. Yep. Never got in the main credits, he was always a, a recurring uh, guest star. Yep. After him, Q. Yeah. Really? You would put O'Brien over Q? Yeah. I mean, I would, but I I thought you liked Q, like, a whole, whole lot. No, I like Q, like, a whole, whole lot, but I fucking love Chief O'Brien. Oh, that's fair. Even, even... That's what, that, you want to talk about stuff I learned while watching TNG? I knew I liked Chief O'Brien, I didn't know I fucking loved him. Well, we, um, we, we, we watched the producers sort of fall in love with him. Yeah. As they gradually gave him more and more to do, they, they gave him a name, they gave him a wife, they, you know... Give they him a gave him a horrible wife. Well, yeah, unfortunately. No, I would, uh, I would consider Chief O'Brien to be the bones of, uh, TNG. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Same kind of uh same kind of attitude. Yeah, I'll give you no, I'll give you that. Sort of the grounded, like down to earth, sort of working class kind of yeah. guy. I mean I wouldn't say a surgeon is working class necessarily, but it's still the same sort of attitude. Salt, yeah, his salt type of, of the earth certainly was. Yeah. Oh, if anyone doctor. was a working class surgeon, it was uh, Leonard Bones McCoy. Leonard Bones McCoy. Um County uh Frontier Doctor. I'm trying to think of uh of what else of who else there was because I mean you got your you got your standard guys like Barkley who appeared once a year. Well, you didn't like Barkley, I do. I know, but I think you at least saw my point. No, oh, totally. As Barkley went on, and I wouldn't list him in my top five favorite reoccurring characters. Now, based based solely on his first appearance in the holodeck episode, mm-hmm. I think you know I I, I kind of liked him there, or I didn't hate him. I I the problem was I projected a lot of what I didn't like from future episodes. Like, I knew what was coming the whole time. Right. And so I just didn't like him from the beginning, and that kind of wasn't fair, but, uh, you know. Yeah, fuck it, it's our show. We can only be so objective. I mean, we can pretend we don't know that Chief O'Brien's going on to amazing things in DS9, but we we know that, and that probably colors our uh, perception of him. (laughs) Would you call the things he's going on to amazing? I'd call them horrible and torturous. Well, amazing in the sense that, you know. You get some good episodes out of him. Poor bastard. They're compelling to watch. Yes, well, you know the definition of an adventure, right? Uh, it's it's theoretically. It's a it's a uh, a series of disasters that makes a great story later. Oh, okay. That, that's always been how I define an adventure. You don't want to be on an adventure when you're on it. Okay, that's actually pretty cool. I've never heard that before. Yeah, but then afterward, it, you know, you tell the story and it's great. So, so don't ever say let's go on an adventure because mm. no, <laughs> nobody wants to be on an adventure. adventure uh, time. Oh, oh, Guinan. Ooh, yeah. Probably. I was surprised how much I liked her. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad you did. And uh, Pulaski for me. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I convinced you not to hate her, but I. Don't I came around on Pulaski, but I'm never going to list her as a favorite character. I'll tell you that much. Oh, and and of course, Sela. Who didn't love Sela? Did anyone love Sela? If anyone loves Sela, I'd like to hear from you. Yes, this would be because I have a. Uh, I have a. I have a picture of myself to send you where I'm calling you wrong. <laughs> Are you going to draw a word balloon or put it like... Well, those, I'm uh... going to... It'll be a photo of me pointing at you. Yeah. Sort of in the same pose as Lex Luthor was in in that Superman movie. Okay. Uh, and then it'll come with a voice recording of me going wrong. Oh, so you'll have like one of those uh, greeting card chips. Yeah, it'll be elaborate. Right. It'll yeah. be labyrinth? Yes, it'll be labyrinth. Oh. You open right. it up and David Bowie will pop out. Ah. And he'll steal your... And he'll steal your brother. Of course. And take him off to a magical fantasy land full of Muppets. Well, and I forget how that movie ends. <laughs> My brother is gay. Maybe that's what made him gay. 
being stolen by David Bowie and taken away to a land full of Muppets. <laughs> That'd do it. Listen, if anything's going to do it. Yeah. David Bowie in those pants. Yeah. Well, hey. I'm trying to think if there's any um, any Can't other recurring your brother have a look at his hoodoo. What? Can't let your brother have a look at his hoodoo. I'm not sure what you mean by hoodoo. <laughs> not sure I want to know what you mean by hoodoo. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other, other recurring characters. We had some, but not many. No, they kept setting... Oh, Ensign Rowe. Oh, yeah. Ens I fucking love Ensign Rowe. Yeah, she's pretty great. But Not you... so much the last appearance of Ensign Rowe, but, you know. Yeah. Her season five stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, there was Keiko. Uh. <laughs> Well-written character. Oh, absolutely. You, they made they made you love to hate her. Oh, yes. Um, looking forward to that character coming back for DS9. Oh, quite a lot. That's that's something I haven't thought about too much as we get closer and closer to the new show. Get to start seeing Keiko again. Yeah, well, we have oh, a Oh boy. We have a huge ensemble cast on that show, Matt. There's something like 20 recurring characters, you know. That's true. Because the because there, they, th that's going to be a fun list when we get to the end of DS9. Yeah, no kidding. I can already think of a few, but uh, list your favorite 500 supporting characters. Okay, so after Garrick, yeah. list your favorite cuz you know, that that will be obvious number 1 no matter. Oh yeah, fucking Garrick's the shit. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, I love I, you, Eric. I think we covered that pretty well. Yeah. Uh, John Wiggins has sent us a picture. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing that amused me a year or two ago, and it still does, that that, that meme of Spider-Man, cartoon Spider-Man sitting behind a desk. With a picture of himself on the wall? With a picture of himself on the wall. Or, as someone once suggested to me, a window. <laughs> <laughs> With a second Spider-Man looking in. <laughs> But this is—he's—he's he's, uh, photoshopped up a, a wharf sitting behind a desk with a picture of war. And I'll—we—we we have that uh, section on our website now of uh, fan art mm -hmm. of of stuff that people have drawn for us. And uh, I'll put that in there because this this amuses me. <laughs> and uh, John Wiggins adds one other thing: I can't help but see a similarity between Wharf and Sam the Eagle, the way they speak, their view of honor, loyalty, etc. And even the scene in Masks where Wharf is talking in ten forward with nails. All I could see is Sam the Eagle there saying the same words. <laughs> He does think they're a bunch of weirdos. That's true. I really like. I really like the uh, the idea of uh, them all on the bridge and Worf just sort of poking his head in, mm -hmm. the way Sam the Eagle used to do. Yep. You are all a bunch of dishonorable weirdos. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a that's a nice mental image. I like that. Yep. I, I'm trying to think of uh, of who else obviously like uh, draws a comparison to a Muppet, and I can't think off the top mm -hmm. of my head. I guess Riker would be Sweetums. Yeah, I could see that. But apart from Is that, it just because he's tall? Yeah, and the beard. Uh-huh. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, Jordy may be the most scooter character ever. <laughs> that is true. That is true. This, mm -hmm. is, this, this may require further thought, though. I, they don't all line up, but a couple of them do. Yeah, a couple of them do, but... Uh... No, I'd, I'd have to really have a have a good think about this, and uh, you know, the show must go on. Mm -hmm. uh, last one comes from uh, Irish Gaff, and he says, "Which character from TNG would be most likely to farm marshmallows?" Marshmallows, of course, from Star Trek Five, as we mentioned mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. Well, Bever wanted to run off and live in 18th century Ireland, Scotland, Scotland. No, it's Ireland, isn't it? No, Condal. Oh, right, right, right. So, <laughs> fucking, she can do it. Yeah, she could put on a straw hat. Yep. 
put a twig in her mouth. Yeah. Anything so that we don't have to watch her anymore. Pair of overalls with a big daisy on it. Yep. Well, the nice thing about her is, you know, we got we got the movie still to watch, and she'll just be basically hiding behind pillars the entire time. Yep. Just, like, standing, you know, right around the corner, like, saying her one obligatory line and then nothing else. I mean, yep. one of my biggest problems with the next-gen movies is that they didn't feel like ensembles that they were just, you know, like the show, they were just about Picard and nothing else. Yeah. With and some, data. With some data, yeah. But um, she has, I think she had three lines in Generations, if that. Mm. And she got John Luke. She got pushed in some water. Yep. So there was that. Uh, Irish Kev continues. If someone were to ask, which would the episode be to sum up TNG? Well, I think I said this in our crossover with those guys. Actually, it would be Darmok. Yeah, absolutely, Darmok. I cannot think of a more quintessentially Star Trek episode than than Darmok. No. Just so completely. It sort of, like, it completely sort of covers the start, like, you know, the sort of themes that Star Trek is supposed to sort of live up to. That was such a Gene, no conflict story that actually worked. Yeah. Because there weren't, they weren't adversaries, they just didn't understand each other. Yeah, exactly. No, it, the, the idea of Darmok is just, it's very, very Star Trek. Yep. In a good way. Yeah. And he goes on, conversely, which would be the most atypical? Hmm. Well, we talked about this with Sub Rosa. One of my biggest problems with it is that it didn't feel like Star Trek at all. No, it's a romance novel. Yeah, and that they just sort of grafted Star Trek characters into. I would say, um, I remember saying this a couple of weeks ago, um, Lower Decks was so atypical. Like, it was so completely outside the format of the show. I could I could see that, yeah. In a good way. Like, it yeah. felt experimental. It felt like they were trying to, to grow a little and trying to, to do something new that they had never done before. Yeah. And it really worked. It was, but it was very – watching that, it didn't f- have all the plot beats of a next-gen episode at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt – it didn't feel formulaic in, in the least, which I no. really liked about it. No, so if you were going to show someone, like, an episode that was completely Star Trek, like an episode that was completely not Star Trek. Yeah. And wanted to show them good episodes. Right. I mean, you could show them Subrosa, but w- why would you do that to another human being? Really? Yeah. Now, now, let me ask you this. What would you say was the, the most uh, uh, typical Star Trek episode that – is also terrible. Hmm. My first go-to is the Exocomp one. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Which good. is all about seeking out new life in the basement. There's a there's a lot of season one episodes that I can't remember specifics about. Oh yeah, the, the all the head. the smug future man episodes. Yeah, because Gene was still high on the smell of his own farts at that point. Yep, and still thought that, that it was all about the ideal future and not about the characters. Mm-hmm. So I I I don't know. Pick uh, one. Africa Planet. Africa Planet, not so much as like there was one like the Exocomps episode, which had like sentient dirt, as I recall. Oh yeah, that was a piece of shit, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was very Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It was like Devil in the Dark, only bad. Yeah. Um. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot like that. Yeah. I mean, what what I would essentially boil Star Trek down to is you know exploration of the unknown and learning you know learning to give a care and usually. Yeah. It comes down to oh, this thing wasn't our enemy after all. We just misunderstood it. Yeah, it's the uh, the Vulcan thing. Uh, what was it? Infinite. Oh, infinite diversity and infinite combination. Yeah, I've always thought that was a huge sort of part of what Star Trek's whole philosophy was. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and then Gav says, uh, "What has surprised you the most on this watch through?" Well, there were all those cliches that were wrong. Mm-hmm. The, the shuttle stealing the. Um, 
What else? There were a few other things we kept making jokes about. Uh, holodeck happened. episodes. Holodeck there aren't nearly as many yeah. holodeck episodes no. as we think there are. No, there was like one per season at best. Yeah. And I mean, there's one per season of lots of stuff. So, yeah. you know, you can't really fault that. No, and it only went wrong about half of those times, which is yeah. about three. And the rest of the time, like, you can't count the binars changing it as going wrong. No. And you can't count, you know, like, the emergence, I suppose, it went wrong, but that was a little different. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was it was never just the holodeck is broken. Yeah. There was always something to it. So that was wrong. Mm-hmm. What else? I was surprised by how much Picard changed, like how much of a clear. Oh yeah, that dude has such an such an arc in this series, and yeah. I never realized that. No, we always. I assume you feel the same way. It felt like he basically stayed the same throughout the series. Yeah, that he was, you know, sort of consistent across uh, season one on, and then he became a little, you know, lightened up a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, you get you watch. There's real growth with that character from the first episode when he's begging Riker to keep him away from the children. Yeah. To the final minutes of the very last episode where he where joins he's, everyone with yeah, the poker Yeah, at the game. poker game. And you feel like he probably couldn't have made that move two years before, three, four years before. Yeah. He gradually, I mean, it, it, it happened, I think it first started happening with the um, uh, disaster episode where he's- Oh, yeah. No, the, disaster was a huge, huge step for that character. Yeah. Actually, I guess taking it back a little further, though, the Borg, because, you know- he had that whole breakdown with his with his brother, mm-hmm. and he, he kind of let his let his defenses down there a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, he, I, that that's really the thing that surprised me the most is that uh, is that there's a clear like there's no real serialization on the show. There's no real continuous narrative except for Picard. Picard mm-hmm. clearly grows and changes and turns into a whole different person. And yeah. then in the movies, he'll change to a whole different person all over again. But yes, a crazy person. But we'll get to that when we get to that. I don't know. What about you? Any any surprises? I think for you? Picard's kind of the biggest one there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised to learn that I didn't hate Doctor Pulaski. Yeah, that was, was a huge shock. That was a pleasant surprise. Or Guinan, which was a much more pleasant surprise. Yeah, now, Guinan was always cool. I, I deep down I understood why you didn't like Pulaski. I really was not sure why you didn't like Guinan though, and I'm glad. You I think were. it's because I don't like Whoopi Goldberg very much. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, you know, she's she's been fine in in this. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, I, to the point where I missed her. Yeah, she was gone for like a season and a half, and it's like, yeah. hey, why do you keep going to ten forward if the cool person's not there? Yeah, come on, you just start there to see Ben. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he runs the place now. Yep. I think wasn't it your uh, theory that uh, she had to like leave him on his own for a while? Yeah, yeah. Well, my my theory has always been that Guinan would be tra- like Guinan's bartenders were sought out, like all over the Federation as the best bartenders. Right, like Sam Vimes' cops in. Uh, yeah, exactly. Discworld. Like they're she's sending them off to like other to like other ships and you know right. to show them how it's done. Right. So yeah. she had to leave. She had to leave Ben so he could upgrade from his uh, apprenticeship to a journeyman status. That makes total sense to me. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have. Um, we would now like to revisit the uh, the sequel, the, uh, the 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 2013 Star Trek Into Darkness, sort of uh, conclude our uh, thoughts on that. Because yeah. when, when we recorded our last supplemental, it was literally 24 hours after we had seen the movie. Which is fine, but you really, something like the, the okay. way Into Darkness turned out, we really needed to. 
here's, step away and think about it. Here's here's my main point before we get into this. Remember remember 1999. Remember back when uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace came out. Yep. We all walked out of that movie, and most of us. Okay, I'm sure some nerd somewhere is going to say, "No, I never liked it." But yeah, shut up. Most of us. And Fuck I, you. I knew a lot of you in 1999. Walked out of that movie thinking we had seen something that we liked. Yeah. It took us that summer to kind of think back and say, "Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't like that at all." Yeah. And that's the same with Into Darkness. You you walked out and you, wow, yay, Captain Kirk, the Enterprise, Spock, woo! But then you you start picking it apart in your head. You start thinking about it, and, mm. and you know. And for me personally, I, I said this at the time. When I see a movie for the first time, I'm watching it just as an audience member, just as yeah. someone who's reacting to the surface crap. When yeah, I we had to it, watch it again the next day sort of critically. Yeah, and when I watch it again or when I think about it, I start looking at it as a writer. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about character arcs and, and act structure and all, you know, all that screenwriting 101 crap that, you know, everyone who's dropped out of college knows. Right. And uh, and then it starts sort of falling apart for me. But uh, I think we, we, we actually have a, a special guest waiting to talk to us here that uh, before we get too far into this, we will. Yeah, let's uh, let's bring him out from behind the curtain. Yeah. We have a curtain now, by the way. Yeah, we've upgraded. We have a curtain. Yeah. It's the curtain from Mario 2. So as it happens, uh, building up to when Into Darkness came out back last May, April, May, something like that, uh, all those rumors were out. All the, all the, oh, it's Benedict Cumberbatch is playing Khan. He's totally Khan. And he is not Khan. There is no possible way that he's Khan. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And, uh, a friend of ours is like, you, you know what? I'm, I'm convinced that it is. In fact, I, I'll bet you money. And so yep. we did. We, we bet 10 human dollars. And, uh, the movie came out. It was Khan. And, uh, Welcome God now, fucking well, damn it! <laughs> welcome now to the show, Scott Zioko to gloat. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Scott, I think it's the first time we've ever had you on the show. You've been on our other show, Sarcastic Voyage, quite mm-hmm. a bit, but uh, yeah, don't think we've yeah, been here before. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've been on any podcast, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be on this one. Well, welcome, and and feel free to gloat, gloat away. Yeah, I hope about your basking chair. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did sing a I did sing a song into your guys's voicemail uh, immediately after I saw the movie. <laughs> I don't know if you saved that or not. I didn't, unfortunately, but Matt was here and he did hear it. Yes. At the time, I was really concerned with with spoilers and so forth, so I decided to wait. But uh... yeah, I was. I, I I'm not gonna lie. Um, when when uh, when he announced who he was in that movie, I think that that kind of helped my enjoyment of it quite a bit. <laughs> wow, see, I, it went the exact opposite for me. Yeah, me too, on two fronts. <laughs> well, I, I do remember saying that, like, I was hoping I was wrong, but um, after seeing that trailer, I, I kind of had a good feeling that I wasn't, because there was way too many kind of just red flags going up that that was the direction they were going, so. Yeah. The lazy direction? Honestly, if I had, <laughs> if, what bugs me now, and I think about this a lot, Mm-hmm. Now that the now that the Blu-ray is because I was watching it last night, mm-hmm. and I all I can think to myself is like fucking. Of course it was Khan. That's one of the two things people know about Star Trek. Well, right, exactly, and that's why I kind of think the next one's going to be they go back in time and, and get some whales because that's the other thing people know about Star Trek. <laughs> now, see, that's why uh, my working. That's why my theory is uh, Klingons for the next one. No. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be Klingons. Yeah, uh... if there's two things people know about, if you ask anyone on the street. Who's the star? What's the Star Trek bad guy? You're gonna get Khan because he had a movie named after him. Yeah, and you're gonna get Klingons because people have been hearing about Klingons 
in pop culture for the past 50 years. Here's here's my thing. I've I've been thinking about this a lot obviously because we have this show and I'm a nerd and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um it feels like the first one the 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 triumph of the first one the reason that I loved it so much is that it managed to be a great movie to us, to people who were super into Star Trek, and it managed to get people like Scott, who maybe had heard of it, maybe liked a little bit of it here and there, but really weren't big fans, mm-hmm. into it, engaged in it. it. It was a great movie to say, we're starting all over again, jump on at square one, this is Kirk, this is Spock, here's what they're all about, isn't this fun? Mm-hmm. And they did a really good job of, of keeping your average moviegoer, your, your potential Star Trek fan... And and your actual Star Trek fans happy, and I think the second one did not do that at all. Um, I kind of disagree a little bit. I think because okay. because the second one, I, well, I think first of all, the second one kind of suffered from what I call Iron Man Two syndrome. I uh, see. I like Iron Man Two, but go ahead. I like no, I liked Iron Man Two too, and I liked Into Darkness too, and I think like the problem both those sequels had was that I don't think people were expecting the first movie. Mm-hmm. To be as good as it was, and so when like people saw it, and that surprise factor of like, holy crap, you know, this new Star Trek was really good, you know, right? I think it just added kind of to the hype and expectation for the second one, and that people were expecting things to go, I guess, a different direction. Like like you guys, you guys were expecting for them oh, yeah. to go a completely different direction. I, and I yeah. can't deny that the uh, the disappointment was a huge factor. Like I can't judge this movie just on its own. I have to compare it to the first one, and that yeah. probably hurts it. Yeah, and I well, mean, it's, it, it, we were fucking like ridiculously excited for the second. Yeah, we movie. were. Le- we were so excited for the second Star Trek movie, we made a podcast <laughs> where we watched all Star Trek until the next one came out. That's a fair point. That's pretty fucking excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then it, it only took, what, five years for it to actually come out? So. Uh, yeah. I gave just, you plenty of time. I just read today, and we knew this anyway, but I just read today officially that Abrams isn't directing the third one because, you know, he's going to be busy with Star Wars. So uh, right. hopefully that means that it's not going to be quite as long a wait because that guy has got total ADD. He's got 30 projects on the go at once. Yeah. Hopefully the next guy won't be quite as busy and they'll get they'll come out a little sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, Scott, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, I, I, I was going to go, um, I, I forgot where I was. <laughs> um well, you were saying we were all sort of disappointed, which was a big part of uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, comparing um, it to the first one. And in retrospect, I mean, like, I mean, it's a really, really good popcorn movie. And it, when you're doing a popcorn movie, you want to make sure you give people what they want. And I mean, not, I mean, people wanted something new, but I think the majority or your average, you know, Joe Q, who's not necessarily, you know, who's not who's not necessarily, you know, a diehard Trek fan like you guys. Yeah. You know, they they wanted to see Khan again and so I think that's kind of what they were thinking when they uh, I was thinking about it and I think what it boiled down to um like before our bet before we even know knew anything or knew, you know, mm-hmm. before when we made the bet, I think what happened was you guys gave the filmmakers a little too much credit, and I gave them exactly enough credit. <laughs> I would definitely agree with that. Well, it, but it's like I said, I think it's possible that first movie showed you you can keep the hardcore fans happy and also sort of I, I pander is a harsh word, but make make a movie that your average filmgoer is going to enjoy. Like yeah. I don't think it's I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you can do both. Look at Avengers. Avengers was a huge hit among people who don't know who the fuck Thor is. But on the other hand, it it made you know nerds so happy to see so many little details done right. It's yeah, 
this is what happens when you let nerds run entertainment. When they do it right, they're going to mm-hmm. appeal to the mass audiences and they're going to appeal to their own, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's a little bit different with Star Trek, though, because there's already been movies and so there's already expectations. And I mean, I, I, I know when we were talking about it beforehand and we were kind of giving our reasons, like when we made the bet, we were giving our reasons why we were, you know, making it or reasons why, you know, I thought it was con and you thought it wasn't. Um, and I remember me saying, you know, J.J. Abrams, I remember you saying J.J. Abrams had enough clout and had enough, you know, influence in Hollywood that he could do whatever he wants. Um, and I remember saying, well, no, he still has to answer to, you know, producers and guys who probably said, well, we're doing a second movie. We have to do Khan because yeah. that's how now, Hollywood's we, brain works. Do we know that's where that came from? I mean, you're probably right. I'm not I'm not arguing necessarily that you're wrong. But have we heard that officially that the studio I, is I, who's responsible? I doubt we'll ever know. I, I, I mean, I, I've read some interviews and stuff like that. And like most of the stuff I read was before the movie was coming out. So all of it was really hush hush. and They didn't yeah. want to talk about it. But I mean, my I, I mean, it could be one of two things. I mean, maybe J.J. Abrams just really wanted to go ahead and do Khan and get it out of the way because um, I was talking to a friend of mine about it and his his idea was that they wanted to do Khan because they wanted to make sure the second movie did well so they could continue to make a third movie because they because Khan's something everyone's familiar with it's familiar ground right you know they didn't want to take a chance and not do something completely different have the movie bomb and then kind of kill the franchise so mm-hmm. they wanted to make sure they could keep the franchise going so they went ahead and did a second movie so they can ins- with Khan so they can ensure that they can go ahead with the third movie. So, and I, I can kind of see the point with that. Okay, except the whole reason Khan was a big deal is because he's one of the few guys that was sort of Kirk's equal, and they were sort of trying to cat and mouse outthink each other. You didn't really get that. Khan was just sort of a guy who was there who ended up having, you know, evil motives. But yeah, there was I mean, none that's... of that cat and mouse. There was none of that outsmarting each other at all. I yeah, I, I, I don't totally think agree. it matters. I think the problem. I think it's just that they needed they needed a name that people could remember. Well, then why the secret? That is an excellent question. Why make that's it been, such a that's big been secret? That's been what I that's what I've been wondering since the goddamn movie came out. Like, what the hell was the point of keeping that a secret for the entire time? Well, like I, the I only part- reason to have Khan in the movie is to have it like have that audience recognition, and you don't. Like, yeah, it wasn't in any that. of the advertisements, so how would anyone know except for word of mouth that here's this character you know about? Yeah. Well, I think part of it, too, was, like, they didn't want an automatic, like, people saying, oh, of course they're doing, you know, Rathacon. So I think they wanted to avoid, like, the, they wanted to try to avoid those comparisons early. Because mm. I think if they would have said, oh, yeah, you know, Cumberbatch's con, you know, um, they would have... I guess automatically assumed that they were going to go the wrath of Khan route. And right. I, I don't know. I, I think and, and part of it too is just marketing. You know, the, there's more intrigue if people no, are, I, he was great at that. He, he was yeah. absolutely great at, at keeping that secret. We didn't mm-hmm. know until we saw it. Yeah. And I, I purposely made sure that I didn't get spoiled on it until I saw the movie. But, yeah. uh, I, 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 there was just, there was just, when I saw that trailer, there was just way too many nods and there was like, yeah. The the line where he said, I am better, I think. Yeah, that was a, that was a big There was a lot of misleading stuff in those trailers though. Like there Oh like, yeah, the um There's there's fifty two of them on your yeah, ship yeah. right now. Like that was that you make you think that there's like uh, a renegade crewman or something. Right. Right. You don't realize that it's uh whatever the stupid thing was. I you get the feeling that that, that uh 
the trailers for uh, Into Darkness were kind of the same as the trailers for uh, Trek 09 in a different way. Yeah, deliberately misleading. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Except you didn't have extreme skydiving. Like, yeah. Alas. <laughs> Although you and, could have. That's true. <laughs> could have put that whole... Uh, yeah, uh, jumping from ship to ship thing. Yeah, that yeah. would have fit in really well. Like the, put in some of the Beastie Boys music during that. Hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Here, here's the thing overall. and I, I, I said this at the time and I'm saying it now. It's really just the third act where that movie falls apart for me. It's really yeah. from Khan's reveal. I didn't like the Khan was in it, but I could get over that part. It's it's the stuff that they stole, I, I homaged, whatever, from Wrath of Khan. The, no, I, I think Kirk you can dying, say stole. Kirk dying and I have always been your friend and all, yeah. all that stuff. And to Spock yelling Khan, I mean, come on. And then yeah. calling old Spock and asking him for the answer. I'll never get over that. That no. was bullshit. Yeah. That's like from – I was watching – like I said, I was watching it last night. And from the time old Spock shows up. Yeah. To the end, that's that's it. Because up till then, it's a really fun movie. I would, don't know if I would list it as it's. I wouldn't list it as the best well, we'll, Trek movie ever. We'll, but we'll get to the list thing in a sec. But, but I certainly, I was having a good time watching it. But as soon yeah. as Old Spock shows up, it's just like, okay, you guys don't care. No, it all yeah, fell old, apart at that. Point. Yeah, Old Spock was doing his best to watch to the Watcher impersonation. Right, I, though I am forbidden <laughs> to interfere. Uh, yeah, here's uh, here's his Wikipedia entry. Yeah, well, I look forward to you guys calling me every time you can't solve your own problems. Ugh. It's really hard well, to get behind a hero that can't, you know, figure things out for themselves. Well, I mean, if you want to look at it a different way, it's like, have you ever used a, a cheat guide when you play a video game? No. It's kind of like that. I, not, not, not in a long time. No. I, I mean, I don't play a lot of games, but if I, you know, point and click used to be my thing, point and click adventure games. And it really bothers me when someone's first instinct is, well, that didn't work. Let me go online and look it up. No. Fucking back in the day, you had to buy a hint book and wait six months for it to come in and use a special little wand to read the words. And it, <laughs> fucking figure it out, man. Or call a hint line. Or call a 900 number hint line. Yeah. Yeah. I got in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I didn't like the old Spock part either, but I mean, like, I, I don't know, like the parts that I thought was going to bother me the second time I saw the movie, like, I guess they didn't as much, I guess, because all the good parts were still really, really good, but yeah, and I don't know. Same here. I mean, watching it again, I, I built it up in my head so much that I didn't like it that I expected to just turn it off in disgust, and I didn't yeah. feel like that. See, that's the, – if there's one thing that makes me mad about about uh, Into Darkness, it's this. The I, it's, a, it's mostly a good movie, yeah. but the stuff that it does wrong is so infuriating to me but again, that it really makes it sound like I don't like it, and I do. I re- like I really like this movie for the most part. I, I thought it was I, – I thought overall, like taking it on the whole, it's an average movie. Like mm. I think the bad stuff brings the good stuff down to I, – I'd, I'd say it's a five. On a one to ten scale, I'd give it a five. I'd put it more than that. I'd, I'd give it a seven. Because yeah. I, I, mean, I mean the good parts are still really good. I mean he still had really, really good acting. Like mm-hmm. That's true and I love that. Those cast. guys are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The cast, is, the cast is great. Um, Cumberbatch is con like – I went ahead and I watched Space Seed last night, and I actually hadn't watched Space Seed in like forever. That is a great episode. Yep, it, it is. And 
the way uh, Ricardo Maltaban plays Khan is just so different from Cumberbatch. Like, yeah. he's he's just oozing with like charm and charisma, yeah. and you can see how this guy could be a natural leader. And like, you don't get that from Cumberbatch when he plays the part. He, you just get this really menacing super soldier guy, yeah. which just it it's just a completely different character, really. Well, and, and, you know, the people who argue that Abrams sort of takes liberties or whatever would say that that's just sort of the, you know, making him extreme uh-huh. or whatever. But, I mean, I, I kind of see the argument in that all of these characters are slightly different now. I mean, you know, they're, they're, uh, this is the ultimate universe, if you will. This yeah. is the, every, everyone's sort of a stylized, different version of, of the, you know, their original version. So, right. That didn't but matter I'm- so much. I I mean, well, the only thing that bothered me about it was like, I mean, Khan wasn't affected by Nero. Like Nero happened, like Khan yeah. was yeah. frozen when Nero happened. So it's He'd like technically, just, yeah. I'm sorry. He'd still be frozen. Right. Well, yeah, and like, well, I mean, it just seems like technically he should still be the same character. You know? Yeah. I the the no the, u- the universe didn't change. No, like, I know. He there's, should be the same. You know. There's not always in story reasons for it. No. Right. I just I've think- got a I got a theory that uh, that uh, they didn't actually open Khan's uh, casket or whatever. And this guy just claimed to be Khan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that doesn't make it any better to me. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, why? What's the point of that? I, it just it just seems like a wasted. Well, I mean, I, again, I still really enjoyed the movie, but I, I think if you were going to use Khan, you should use Khan. You know, mm-hmm. and that I mean, especially after watching Spacey, I just I don't. I don't think Cumber. I like. It's not Cumberbatch's fault. I mean, he he did what he could with the material he Just was stand given. Stand there, look menacing, have a mean British voice. That's what. Yep. He <laughs> he's very he's very good at having a mean British voice. I suppose that's true. I just overall the people that I know that had a real problem with this are all sort of hardcore Trek fans, and the people that are like, "Oh, it was fine, it was fun," are not really like. Yeah. It, it feels like the more you're into Star Trek, the more problems you had with the movie and. Scott, I would say what you're like a you're like a casual fan, right? You you, you like some yeah, of that's, it, but you're not. That's fair to say. I mean, I haven't watched every episode like you guys. Yeah. So. And and you're more willing to forgive some of its uh, grievances because you just you take it as a movie and you're fine with that. Whereas we, because we take Star Trek a little more seriously, take it as like, hey man, they messed up. They they screwed up our thing. Yeah. And and I think as opposed to the first one, which got all that right. Which which made us happy and made you know everyone else happy. This one I think just worried about the the mainstream audiences and and there wasn't a lot of fan stuff in there this time. I don't think. No, not really. No, I mean I said the Klingons he, probably were. Yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, I, I mean be in anyway. You, you still got little bits here and there, like you got like the progression of the like the uh, starship starships on uh, Admiral. Um, I forget it. Admiral, Admiral Robocop. Martin. Admiral Robocop. I, yeah, Admiral I, Robocop. Yeah, that works. Do not give a shit what his real name is. Nope. <laughs> but I mean, you, I mean, you got little bits there, like you know the red shirt joke, and uh, yeah. I mean, there, there was pieces here and there, and See, I will say this about Into Darkness: at least everything, like everything, made sense. Like there was, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a good logic, but at least the logic was there. There was definitely a logic there. There was a bit of contrivance here and there, but overall, yes, you're right. It did. It right. Did. I mean, nothing. Nothing came out of left field. It wasn't. Basically. It wasn't an incompetent movie. It wasn't poorly made. It right. Just it. It made some choices that I wish it hadn't made. Yeah. Yeah. Was all. And and like we've been saying, and I know marketability, blah blah blah, whatever. But you can retell stories that were not told well, 
you know, and do them well this time. Like take a take a story that had a good idea that didn't quite work mm-hmm. and remake that. You know what I mean? Or, you know, God forbid, do something new. Well, that would be the best. And, I'm, uh, I, I know that's impossible, but uh, yeah. Well. But again, this is Hollywood we're talking about. Yeah, you no. Know, why? Why create something new when you already have something proven and ready to but, make? Yeah. yeah, but you already have. Kirk and Spock and the Enterprise, like you already well, have the. And that worked for the first movie. That was enough for the first movie. But now we're doing the sequel, and it's, we need more. Well, right. Hopefully, the third one. Hopefully, it won't be Klingons because I think we've done enough Klingon stuff, frankly. Uh, I I'm gonna say it's gonna be Klingons, and I, I'll I'll tell you why. I, they kind of set up the Klingon war because that's kind of like the whole purpose of the second movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, um, Khan hiding out on Kronos, like, and them shooting the torpedoes at Khan. Yeah. Which, yeah, but they shut started. all that down. They, they shut it all down, but that was the purpose of it. They that's why you know that's why Admiral Robocop sent Kirk out there because he thought he was going to be brash and right. But that's know, what I'm he, saying. It never happened, so that means that now we won't have a Klingon war because that that plot got you know subverted. I I still think they're going that direction because yeah. Kirk was in that coma and he was coming out of it. One of the last things he remembered was Admiral Robocop basically. Daring him, basically telling him that you know, are you going to be the one to lead the fleet in war? So I, I think, I think the third one they're doing a Klingon war. Yeah, want to go double or nothing? <laughs> you know Hell, what? I'll yeah. get in on that action. Yes, <laughs> yes, I will. I will bet you another ten dollars that the third Star Trek movie is primarily be- about Klingons. I'm not going to. If there's a Klingon in it, I don't lose. <laughs> the the no, plot we'll, we'll is mainly that, about Klingons. We'll say it specifically if it if the specific if it is specifically about the Klingon war. Okay, that's fair. And you in, all heard uh, it here first in 20, <laughs> 2016 or whatever. We'll we'll settle that. Uh, <laughs> meet back here. Yes, oh, in the middle of Voyager. Oh God! That, that Will we be an Enterprise by then? No. Uh, that takes... gives me plenty of time to write another song. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Uh, so we got a couple of questions here. We answered all our other questions, Scott, but we got a couple specific to Into Darkness. And I figured we'd, I'd hold this until we uh, we got to the uh, discussion here. Uh, these are from our pal Tidro, and she says, Dear Alan Matt, how are you? I'm fine. What do you think of the fact that as of Star Trek Into Darkness, there are now two ways for people to become effectively immortal in the Star Trek universe? So uh, I asked her for a little clarification. She means the transporter. Mm-hmm. Because we've we've proven in next gen that they can just filter out anything, any infections, any cancer, anything like that, and just beam it out of you. And of course, now con blood can make you immortal. Yes, just pump con blood into anyone who's sick, and that'll yep. bring you back to life. <laughs> and then she mentions transporter technology seems to be poised to make starships obsolete. Because yeah. yeah, now you can just transport across the galaxy, which I I didn't love that. I didn't no. love that he could just beam over to the the Klingon homeworld. That wasn't great yeah that, that that didn't make a lot of sense to me because the klingon homeworld like how far away is that beta quadrant as far as i know so so really really far really really far <laughs> it's it's not like the founding uh guys i think it's a long way down to the street to the chemist but well, that's just peanuts to space <laughs> it's um you got uh you got the vulcans the andorians and the t- tellarites is that it the tellarites yeah yeah, those those guys are all close. Those guys are all like founding members of the Federation, and then everybody else is a little bit further out. So I mean, yeah. they're not they're not nearby. You can't beam from one planet to the planet next to it anyway. You know what no. I mean? Like that technology doesn't exist, much less across the galaxy. That's just. So did they explain that at all, though, or did they well, just? They explained it in the first one. It was Scotty used it to beam uh, 
uh, him and Kirk back onto the Enterprise, which was going warp, you know, far away from... it was going them. warp away from at least the planet they were on. Right. Okay. You know? It's, it's, not, it's not great, but you can sort of fudge it, was, it. In that movie, it was a stupid contrivance that I was willing to forgive just because it kept the plot moving. Yeah. I didn't realize they were going to continue to use it. It's like in in uh, Buffy when they bring people back to life. Everything was always worse for the, for that. Yeah, it's supposed to be you know. This if you're going to introduce stuff like that, then it needs to make the it needs to make things worse for everyone because that way lies conflict. Right. Well, being stuck on the Klingon world probably is worse for Khan if you think want to think about it that way. Well, he didn't seem to have a problem. He just took them all out. Yeah, oh, that's true. <laughs> with his giant fuck off chain guns. Yeah. He's, he's probably short on conversation out there, though. I mean, it's not like he can really hang out and like talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's not like he learned how to speak Klingon in, during the eugenics wars of the late 90s. <laughs> Which we all remember, of course. Oh, yeah. Horrible, oh, of course. Time. I served in the eugenics wars. <laughs> I was a conscientious objector. <laughs> I should put that on a job application. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a veteran? Yes, I fought in the eugenics wars of 1993. <laughs> Uh, one one final thing on the point of uh, of Into Darkness, and I need to find a link for this. I don't have it in front of me, but I think we've all read this. There was a fan poll recently. Oh yeah, list from from best to worst, uh, all the Star Trek movies. This was taken at the uh, official uh, Star Trek con in Vegas, wasn't it? Yep, the and, last con as far as far as I know. Right, and uh, number one was Wrath of Khan, of course, mm-hmm. and the very last one, number. 12, would it be? 11? 12? 12. No, we're up to 12 now. Yeah. Uh, was uh, Into Darkness. Worst Star Trek movie ever, according to the fans. See, like, this is what I fucking hate about about fans, you the know? The internet? <laughs> yeah, kind one, of, actually. One-star Yelp reviews because yep. the coffee was cold or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Worst thing ever. No, it wasn't. You, you were disappointed. Look, I've been struggling with this all summer. Yeah. It's not a one-star movie. It's not no. that bad. I, you like? Did you forget that Star Trek Five existed? Yeah, because we didn't. No, I can never forget. No, part okay. of me will be dead forever. <laughs> and that's all the movies, right? It's not just the. Yeah, it was. Yeah. They included the next gen ones in there, and all the next gen ones. Yeah, I would say we're not as good as Into Darkness. Fucking Insurrection. Yeah. Fucking Nemesis. That piece of shit. <laughs> And the then, hell is wrong with you people? And then, like, the motion picture, really? I See, I, I just, I don't buy it. Who did they pull? Ten-year-olds? Like, the fuck, man? But this goes back to what I'm saying. The fans were really disappointed. Apparently, they were so disappointed. This was the worst movie ever. Oh, God. Pull your dick out of your dick. <laughs> <laughs> Wait to see where you were going with that. <laughs> Matt, where do you think these people have put their dicks? Uh, into their dicks. <laughs> Star Trek into it's dick a, it's an <laughs> <laughs> it's a dickeroboros. Oh, I see. It's a dick. Incidentally, Michelle, if you're still trying to figure out uh, ideas for this cover art, <laughs> let me recommend the dickeroboros. Please don't. He's working on a uh, he's working on his his opus for us right now, <laughs> which which would be a penguin in a uh, his in a cartoon penguin cartoon penguin. <laughs> So Scott, I mean, I don't know if you're that familiar with all the movies, but where would you where would you say? Like, uh, what would you geez. say is the best Star Trek movie you've seen and and the worst? Even even if it's between the two. <laughs> um, jeez. Uh, well, I mean, best. I, I mean, at Rathacon. I mean, I, I. It's hard going 
mm-hmm. against that. I mean, I, that, you know, as a kid, as a kid growing up, I've always been, I've always leaned a little bit more towards Star Wars, but sure, oh sure, but uh, but as, as far as Star Trek goes, I mean, I, like Rathacon, I, I mean, I still remember. I think I, I don't, I don't know if I saw Rathacon or uh, the first the original motion, motion picture. picture. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if I saw, I know I saw either one or both of those at a drive-in theater when I was nice. really, really young. And it's like, that's actually one of my earliest memories is like oh, sitting cool. in the back of my parents, a uh, Volkswagen bug watching a star Trek on a <laughs> outdoor movie screen motion picture. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'd have to say Rathacon's my favorite mm-hmm. <sighs> least favorite. Yeah. And insurrection was pretty bad. <laughs> That's, yeah, it was. I have not seen Nemesis nor Insurrection in quite some time, so I, I'm going to withhold judgment until we finish our uh, our shows. Uh, I, I remember I went and saw Insurrection just because, um, like, at the time I hadn't seen a Star Trek movie in the theater in a really long time, and mm-hmm. uh, the girl I was dating at the time, she was, I mean, we watched, like, Next Generation from time to time, so I was like, yeah, yeah let's, let's go watch a Star Trek movie, and we saw it, and we're like, mm-hmm. let's not do that again. Yeah. <laughs> we learned our lesson. <laughs> so I don't know, Matt. What do you think? Like, I I'm mean, not asking you to make the entire list, but you know, I, give me highlights. Give me an idea of what your list looks like. What What's at the top? What's in the middle? What's at the? I bottom? mean, Rathacon, obviously. Mm. You know, I've heard you know you've heard this tons of times before, but Rathacon's not just a good Star Trek movie. It's a fucking good sci-fi movie. It is. It absolutely. Like is. you can slap that down in front of anyone. Yep. Um. Uh, the 2009 one's way up there. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of love for Star Trek VI. Yeah, I know you do. That's and pretty high on my list. I don't dislike it, but okay. Uh, I like VI a lot too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh like that. That thing's got pol- got political Star Trek crap for days. It does. It's got a lot of holes in the plot, which is why, yeah. why it kind of falls on my list. But oh yeah, L- look, it's not perfect, but no, it's pretty great. I will. I will say, controversially or not. That uh, the the first Abrams one is top of my list. That, that is just my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. No, you you you've said that a few times, and you know yeah. I get it. It's not so. Re- it really is best Star Trek, right? <laughs> yes, God, yes, it is. <laughs> and then I would say two, three, four, because two, three, four sort of belong together to me. They're like a, a nice sort of character arc for Spock, you know, dying and coming back, and yeah, all that. And um, and at the bottom would be five. I mean, and and the next gen movies. I just, yeah. uh, I, I don't, and Into Darkness is in the middle somewhere. It's, like I said, I, I would give it about a five, maybe a six if I'm feeling generous. But I really was pissed off by some of the things at the end there. Yeah. See, that, this is what I'm saying. That stuff at the end really... Drags it down. It does. Also, it's, killing Kirk is fucking bullshit. Yeah, because you know he's not gonna, you know. Yeah. Obviously. Everything's gonna I think be like- fine. I think watching it a second time, I, again, I didn't think the stuff bothered me as much as I thought it would. I, I was expecting to, like, because I kept thinking, oh, yeah, I wish they would have gone somewhere different. I wish they wouldn't have, you know, pretty much redone Wrath of Khan at the end there. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's still, I I still really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was, which was a popcorn movie. So mm. Yeah, and like I say, I, my whole point is you can make a popcorn movie that is also, you know, for the fans. That's what the first one was. It's it's right. not easy, but that's what good movie making is. You know, I mean, you can you can do both, and uh, hopefully they'll they'll uh, they'll get a little better in the third one. Like, all right, Matt, tell the people. See you, folks. See you, folks. 
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.